This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Yes, that's right. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max brought to you by Bastion GRP. For all your specialist needs in recruiting, engineering and defence, go to bastiongrp.com. On the show today, we have a world-renowned absolute cricket superstar, Matty Short. Matt, it's so great to have you on. How are you? Thanks, mate. Yeah, that's a... That's a pretty nice intro. Um, <laughs> World-renowned, I'm not too sure, but um, no, I'm going well, mate. Going well, well, IPL this year, it would have been, I assume, extremely exciting. But we'll start with the Aussies. They've obviously booked their spot in the Cricket World Cup final against India on Sunday night. How do you view the guys' performance last night against South Africa? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was on pretty late over here, but um, no, it was awesome to wake up and, and see they got over the line. <laughs> um, you know, a reasonably close match. Um <laughs> But yeah, I thought, yeah, we obviously started the bowling and he's really well. Um, I think I read not long ago that um, Ian Healy having a crack at, <laughs> at, at his uh, son-in-law, um, you know, we need early wickets and he, you know, produced in the first first over, wasn't it? So um, yeah, obviously awesome to, for them to get the win and get into the final and um, yeah, hopefully they can get over the line against a, a strong Indian team. Now, I wanted to ask you, when how difficult is it when someone like, you're someone like Van der Dussel or Ada Markram and you haven't got to run for 20 balls because you've got Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood just steaming in from the other end and you find yourself in a bit of a hole like South Africa did last night. Is it hard to get yourself out of that hole? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, if we look at the the previous games and um, obviously South Africa had De Kock and... Yeah, maybe uh, Bavuma, and they'd get off to a fly with those guys. But um, yeah, it would have been pretty tough for Markram and um, Vander Dusen to come in, and um, you know, against you know quality quality opening bowlers. So mm. um, that's bloody hard to get out of. Um, <laughs> you know, especially in those conditions, and um, when a team's up and going and they're fielding well, I, I think their fielding was unbelievable last night. Um, the Aussies. So um, yeah, obviously it's it's no good coming in in that situation, but. Um, yeah, obviously David Miller came in and, and played his role beautifully to, to get the 100, but um, yeah, as I said, it wasn't to get the win. Just missing out on that World Cup spot in, I guess, the 12 or 13 um, that are over there at the moment. Can you talk us through the situation that was in play ahead of the World Cup? Yeah, look, I, it's a weird one. Like, I'm not disappointed or anything that I missed yep. the squad. I mean, you know, I'm very grateful for, for even being over in the first place, mm. um, you know, pre the, the World Cup, so... Um, yeah, it was awesome to, first of all, get my ODI debut in the, the little series they had against India um, <laughs> before the World Cup and um, and then to be around the boys in the, the couple of warm-up games they had yep. um, just to see their prep before and help them out and um, not fill the numbers in, but um, I guess play my role in a sense that those guys had played a lot of cricket in the lead-up and mm-hmm. um, they sort of needed guys like me and... Um, you know, Tanvi Sang was over there just to kind of help him out and yeah. <laughs> um, almost feel the numbers in a way, but, um, yeah. you know, make sure they got through unscathed. And, um, you know, there was, was a couple of niggles um, thereabouts at the start of the World Cup. So we were just sort of helping out that in that way and um, making sure they got through um, ready to go for round one. So you made both your ODI and T20 international debut. Obviously your ODI debut will start with uh, against India in India. What was that like? Yeah, crazy. I mean... Could that. you have ever, like, imagined it in your wildest dreams? Nah, not at all. I mean, this whole sort of 12, 18 months has just been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, you know, I say to everyone that this whole sort of season, I was sort of planning on maybe hopefully getting one or two gigs overseas in a in a competition there um, or whatnot. But um, I was probably 
more so planning on being here in Melbourne throughout mm-hmm. the preseason and, you know, training in the cold and the indoors and, <laughs> and, you know, that was the plan. And yep. and then all these sort of replacement things came up and, um, you know, I found myself going to the IPL, um, replacing Johnny Bairstow. And then I think I had maybe a month at home, um, where I put the feet up, um, and then got a pretty, pretty late call up to, uh, Washington Freedom over in the US, mm-hmm. um, replacing Josh Phillippe, who'd... <laughs> Rolled his ankle on a, a boundary rope. Um, and then it was pretty much straight from the US to the UK to play in the 100, who I was replacing uh, Michael Bracewell yep. at the Northern Superchargers. So that all happened pretty quick as well. Um, and then I guess from then on, yeah, it was more, you had a couple of couple of calls from George Bailey and Tony Dottomay, a couple of Aussie selectors. Um yeah, same mate. You you come into South Africa for the T20s, and then wow. after that you come into to India for the one days. So it's um yeah, it all happened pretty quick, but um yeah, all bit of a whirlwind. Now you made sixty six alongside Mitch Marsh in sort of that opening partnership in the second T20 uh, against South Africa. What was that like? First of all, to you know raise the bat for half a century and only your second T20 international, and that opening partnership with Mitch Marsh was such a critical one in terms of that match. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, looking back on it, it all sort of happened so quick. But um, I guess, first of all, walking into that sort of environment, um, it was nice in a way that, you know, I knew most of the boys, you know, from mm-hmm. playing against them and being around the traps here in Australia. And, you know, it's different to, say, rocking up to a, a hundred team where you don't really know anyone. Yeah. Um, to a Punjab team, you don't really know anyone. Um, so it was nice to get that sort of environment, um, mm-hmm. you know, straight away, straight off the mm-hmm. bat from, you know, getting off the plane and um, knowing everyone's sort of nice and welcoming and you feel pretty comfortable, you know, from the from the get-go. So, um, and then the game sort of rolled around and um, I guess, you know, what Andrew McDonald, I mean, he wasn't there, but, you know, Michael DiBenuto, um was the, the head coach at that stage, um, who's an Aussie batting coach who I've worked with at the Adelaide Strikers as well. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the plans there were just, you know, go and have fun. You're here for a reason. Go and play your natural game and, mm-hmm. and have some fun. So... Um, yeah, went out there and, um, yeah, it sort of paid off and had a bit of fun with Mitch out in the middle and albeit a, a nice small ground there in Durban for us, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's still got to clear the rope and yeah, it was nice to get a few away. What was it like walking out onto that pitch? Uh, I was pretty nervous. I mean, it was awesome. I had my parents there and, and my fiance, um, there watching, which was awesome that they could come over. Um, but yeah, I, I guess... Seeing them up in the stand, it was more sort of settled the nerves a little bit and I could sort of backtrack a bit and just sort of think about, you know, all the effort that they've put in and yep. um, all the sacrifices they've made to, to help me get to this, to that point, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think, I think once I was out in the middle, everything was like, oh, it's, it's just a normal game of cricket, but the lead yep. up was pretty nerve wracking. There was a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of sort of media and um, yeah, you know, all the text messages you get from your mates <laughs> and everything, um, which is awesome. But yeah, I think once I was out in the middle, it's like, all right, I'm here to do a job now. Um, try and put everything aside and, and go from there. So no, nah, it was awesome fun. Did the short boundary obviously help settle the nerves and you're like, all right, I can just go out and, uh, have a slog and have a bit of fun. Yeah. I think, I reckon that the first game I opened the batting with, uh, Travi head, yep. um, he faced the first ball. Um, it went for a boundary, didn't it? That first ball. He's. Nah, so I'm at the non-strikers then, and the first ball, so uh, Marco Jansen's on, big 
fast bowler, big left mm-hmm. armour, swings away from Hetty. And Hetty, I've never seen someone swing at a ball as hard <laughs> as that ball. It was a play and a miss, but yeah. if he connected, it would have gone out of the ground. Yeah. And I'm like, so this is my first ball I've seen at the other end. I'm like, right, like this is this is international cricket. Like, here we go. And then next ball, short and wide, cut for six. And I'm like, all right, this is it. Like, <laughs> how good is this? I'm just sitting at the other end. I'm like, all right, you go, Travi. Um, and then he, he nicked off next ball. So I was like, oh, back down to earth. Yeah. Like, all right, shit, maybe I need to pull my finger out of here. And, you know, it's on me now. And um, I think that's that might have been when Mitch and I got away. But, mm. um, yeah, it was just, that was sort of, you know, to see Travi go about it that way. I mean, that's sort of his natural way of batting, like, mm. as we've seen in India. But um, that probably settled the nerves a little bit, just watching him go about it. And I'm like, oh, Fair enough. This is what, it, what it's like. I'll, I'll just play my natural game. And Do you go feel it sort of set the tone for yourself in being able to just play your shots as you usually would and come out with intensity from the get-go? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said before, like the, the coaching staff and the plans are just to back yourself. Um, you know, you're in the team for a reason. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, there's no reason to change anything. So mm-hmm. I was just going out there and, and yeah, as I saw Hetty, you know, play his first few balls, I'm like, all right, I can do this. Like, <laughs> let's have a bit of fun. Now, I think you got your ODI cap presented. It was number 242 presented by, obviously, Adelaide Strikers captain and teammate Alex Carey. What was that moment like for you? Yeah, awesome. I mean, yeah, I've sort of known Kez for a little while now. Yeah, through Adelaide, as you said. And, um, you know, it's all about the journey there and just having fun. And that, um, you know, as I said a couple of times now, just go out there and and play your natural game. You know, it's a reason why you're there. And, um, yeah, no, it's obviously a little bit disappointing to see Kez not in the team at, at the moment, but um, no, I'm sure he's such a such a, a hard worker and such a good fellow. I'm sure he, he'll just put it aside and, um, yeah, as I said, work hard and get back in. But, yeah, awesome to have him, um, you know, uh, give him my cap. Now, Matt, I want to get into a bit about your career and can you we'll start off, can you talk us through, I guess, your childhood and what growing up was like for you? Yeah, so I grew up in a uh, oh, country town, Ballarat. Yeah. I wouldn't really call it, you know, country, country, but... Um, yeah, it's a pretty big country town. Um, I've got an older brother and a younger brother, so that's probably where the the competitions in the backyard started. Um, you know, Better child. Oh yeah, I suppose. <laughs> but, no, we tried heaps of sports growing up, and um, yeah, things got pretty heated in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I guess I started playing cricket when I was probably a little bit later than most people. I was I think I was eleven or twelve. Um, Did my, you play any other sports before that? Yeah, played a bit of basketball. Yeah. Um, as a youngster, but sort of gave that up reasonably early. Um, played a lot of footy growing up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sort of my older brother was playing cricket um, on a weekend and they were short a few players and I just happened to be there watching in the morning and um, there was a spare pair of whites in the car, so I chucked them on and that was sort of how it started. I like, loved it ever since. Have you always been the same sort of cricketer from a young kid to what you are now? Um, I think so, yeah. I op- opened the batting a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, was always reasonably attacking um, I think that's sort of where my natural sort of stroke play comes from yeah um, and then yeah I've sort of been a spin spin bowler um, ever since I think my under 14 under 16 coach um, back in East Ballarat there was an off spinner himself um, and sort of worked with me a lot on <laughs> uh, I bowled a few meds here and there but um, obviously he saw a bit of potential with the the height and yeah and what not with the ball that, uh, as a spin bowler. So um, probably got him to thank, Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, the under-19s 2014 
World Cup. Someone we've had on this podcast, Guy Walker, and I've spoke to him um, about that World Cup, which for him, he said that experience was just like so encapsulating, so phenomenal. What was that experience like um, going over there and experiencing a whole different culture? Yeah, crazy. I mean, it was over in the UAE, so I think we started in um, Abu Dhabi and then finished in Dubai. Um, but yeah, it was just a whirlwind. Like looking back at it now, you know, it's just, it was crazy. Like, I mean, there's still a few guys playing shield cricket and stuff now, um, which is cool to see. But, um, and then even some of the players we played against, like you mentioned Aidan Markram before, Kageso Rabada we played against, Mm -hmm. um, Nicholas Puran, um, just all guns that you're seeing, you know, dominating now in international cricket. It's like, oh yeah, like he's my age. Like, you know, we played against him and, you know, we... I can do the same thing. Like I should, I should be able to do that and yeah. and whatnot. But yeah, it was an awesome experience. Those sort of under 19 um, trips were awesome. Cause you made 96 one game against Namibia and you were named player of the match. I do, I do believe um, off the record and off the top, top of my head. <laughs> what was it like? And can you take us through, do you remember that innings at all? Cause usually, you know, it's sort of forties, fifties, that kind of thing, especially in an under 19s world cup, which where I think yourself and Nicholas Puran one match that he versed Australia, he had 130 not out, I think. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, you test my memory's not good at the best of times, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember Greg Chappell was one of the coaches there, um, yep. or the talent, talent manager, I think. Um, and he was on the, on the tour with us and I suppose I worked pretty closely with him, um, you know, in terms of the mental side of the game. Um, and Namibia weren't, uh, as strong or weren't too strong back then and mm. um you know he just said just go out and dominate like play your game and just if you're in like make sure you you put the foot down and obviously yeah missed out on the hundred unfortunately but um yeah sort of nice I think that was one of the first couple of games it was nice to sort of start the tournament well and and get the win as well so um and then yeah I think that game against the West Indies we had them on the ropes um mm. and then Puran I think yeah just won on the game out of nowhere with his 130 <laughs> but yeah, he's just a freak. How quickly, if like you're in form or you know it's your day, do you realise that? Is it before the game? Is it once you first, you first, I guess, three to five balls, or is it as soon as you come out? Right, I know I'm on. Let's let's go. Um, I wouldn't say you know you're on um, straight away. Uh, yeah, form's a weird one because I feel personally like I'm never out of form. Um, yeah, and I guess that can be backed up like. I think, especially this year, like I've, I've mm. made some runs and then I've made nothing. I've made some runs. I've made nothing. I've made some runs. Like it's, if I can find that consistency, um, you know, which I've always looked for then, you know, but I think I've never really said, you know, I'm out of form. Like this is crap. Like mm. I can't hit it because I know I can because, yeah. you know, I can only look back a couple of weeks ago or, or a week ago and think, hang on, I just scored a heap of runs that day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not out of form here, but, um, yeah, it, it's a weird one, but I, I guess when I'm, when I know I'm on, um, yeah, it might take, you know, 20, 30 minutes just to sort of feel settled out there and mm-hmm. get through, you know, your first few, few balls or few overs and whatnot, um, you know, yeah, to start feeling a bit comfortable. Dismissed by South Africa uh, in the semi-final of that World Cup, what was it like? Um, yeah, un- unreal. Um, I mean, I, I remember... I was padding up. I think we lost the toss maybe and I was up in the rooms and um, 
was padding up and I could see we had a, I think I had a TV, like the studio in here. Yeah. There's a TV. I was looking up at it and they had highlights of Kigiso Rabatis steaming in. <laughs> like he's, what was he? 18, 19. Yeah. Bowling 140k rockets. Um, you know, showing his, his wickets highlight package and. Fuel the nerves a bit. Yeah. Well, I'm just there padding up, you know, about five minutes away from <laughs> facing him. I'm like, I don't need this bloke's highlights above me. Um, but he actually got me, he got about, he got six for, I think, and tore through us, but, um. No, it was a good experience. Do you remember your first contract, whether that was Vic State or Melbourne Renegades? I think Melbourne Renegades was 13-14. Yeah, I think um, they happened pretty similar time. I yep. think the Vic, the Vic rookie contract came up first. I think I was over in New Zealand, actually, for with the under-19 Aussie team. and mm-hmm. I think a few guys had already found out they were rookies at their um, their own states. I'm like, oh, maybe I've missed out here. and. Um, but yeah, lucky to get an email or a call. I can't really remember, but um, yeah, it was a long time ago now. But yeah, it was an awesome feeling. Sort of, I think I was in year eleven, still at that time, and I was like, oh crap, like because I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go down the footy path. And mm-hmm. like, I was had a close relationship with my f- um, school footy coach Howard Clark at St Pat's there in, in Ballarat. And um, did you rate yourself as a footy player? Oh look, I was. I knew I always knew I was handy, but yeah. Um, I'd never really made um, junior state teams or, mm. or anything like that in the footy. I was playing TAC Cup um, yep. in the under-18s. Under um, but in terms of sort of comparing my junior cricket career to my junior footy career, um, it was definitely the cricket that was above the footy, you know, with the, the pathway of, um, what was it, under 15s, 17s, 19s, state mm. stuff with the cricket. but And then obviously that led into the, the under-19 Aussie stuff, so... Um, I definitely thought that the cricket was um, outweighing the the footy in that regard. So you came to the BBL for the Melbourne Renegades. What was that like? And I guess comparing it and trying to round yourself as an all formats player. Uh, yeah, look, I I think I was way too young um, when I first started playing in the Big Bash. Um, yeah, I think I was with the Renegades for four years and played six games. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, you see some young players playing now and um, they seem to, to fit in okay. But, you know, I knew then I just wasn't ready. I was, um, I think the pressure got to me and and all that kind of thing. And I was batting, you know, seven and eight and not really, yeah, not, you know, not really having an impact at all. Yeah. And I hadn't really, um, you know, I just wasn't sure um, what I was doing. So <laughs> I was way too young, way too inexperienced. But, you know, it was all for the, for the better. Um, you know, I got some games in when I was young and, I learned from them and it probably took a little bit to develop um, what I needed to develop. And um, yeah, here we are now, um, all going pretty well. You mentioned being way too young. Did you feel and how did you feel that made an impact? And I guess to the developmental side of your game, being around, I guess, professional cricketers at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had world class players, you know, Ben Stokes, um, Chris Gale. um, You know, I was captain by Aaron Finch, um, but just... Dwayne Bravo, there's just you could reel off all the names and just to see how they go about and um but you know, they had years and years under their belt and um they knew what they were doing, but um yeah, I tried to feed off them a little bit. Um but you know, one you can you can go and get all the, the info you need or um mm. talk to the people you need, um and they can say anything they want, but you know, once you're out in the middle it's a whole different ball game and you know, when you when you're eighteen, nineteen 20 and you've hardly played, um, yep. 
it's yeah, it's pretty daunting. Um, not sort of knowing what you're doing or what you're <laughs> capable of, or um, not really backing yourself at, at that age. I was, um, yeah, struggled a little bit early on. What's the one thing you took out of that experience of those four or five years at the Melbourne Renegades? Um, oh, that's a tough question. I think looking back at it now and and playing the the amount of big bash I have now, it's it's. I tend to think like, geez, I should have backed myself a lot more or yep. um, maybe I should have worked on, you know, the mental side of it a bit more and trying to handle the pressure and, you know, mm-hmm. the cameras and the, the crowds are obviously a lot bigger. Um, but I guess that was probably my first taste of senior, like proper senior cricket. Like, mm. I, you know, I played a lot of junior cricket. I didn't play much senior cricket growing up, mm-hmm. um, you know, against guys half my age or double yep. my age. So, you know, being sort of, this young kid from Ballarat getting thrown into a renegade side and, and trying to perform. It was pretty tough, um, you know, from that regard. So how'd you sort of make that decision to move across to the Adelaide Strikers? Uh, just purely opportunity. I think, yeah. as I said, I, I was at the Gades for four years for six games and, um, you know, it was a, I think batting in, in the top order was something I definitely wanted to do and um, didn't quite see that opportunity um, at the Melbourne Renegades, I think I played two games at the top of the order and did quite well. But um, you know, blokes coming back from Aussie duties and, and mm-hmm. whatever sort of squeezed me out. So um, I thought, yeah, I met up with the Adelaide Strikers um, one year, and um, you know they said there might be some potential to, to open the batting or, or bat in the top four, which is something I wanted to do. And um, and even then, I went across and probably didn't have the first couple of years that I'd like. Um, yeah, ended up getting pushed down the order a bit um, and then struggled, um, found myself getting dropped a little bit. And um, it wasn't until I think two years ago, I sat down after a, after a season with the, the strikers. I think it was my third year, mm-hmm. sat down with Dizzy Gillespie and said, mate, I need to open the batting. Like it's, I've done it my whole life. Um, mm-hmm. It's why I'm here. Um, you know, I, I perform best when, when I'm opening and, and he'd, he'd know that. Um, but yep. it was just obviously hard with, um, obviously Alex Carey and Travis yeah. Head and some international players we'd get in, mm-hmm. um, Peter Siddle. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, there's guys there that, you know, are performing better and, and that's fair mm. enough. But I said to him, mate, I need to open the batting and, um, you know, lucky enough or sure enough the next year he, um, he said, All right, mate, what well, you're in, you're at the top of the order. We'll see how you go. Um, and yeah, haven't really looked back since. Did you feel like that made an immediate impact to your game? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I definitely feel more comfortable at the top of the order. Um, yeah. As I said, I've been there my whole life growing up. Um, I don't think I was too suited to, you know, batting down the order and coming in and trying to trying to slog slog some sixes straight away. <laughs> it's, um, but. Yeah, I think opening the batting is definitely for me. And, um, yeah, it's definitely worked the last couple of seasons. Is there a specific mindset that you go into opening the batting and how does that differ from when you're coming in at three or four? Yeah, big big mindset change. I think I did a lot of work with Cameron White. Um, he was coaching us over there as an assistant. And then and obviously I knew him through Victoria and worked with him a fair bit there. Um, but it was more... Uh, it was more if I got off to a flyer in the first four or first six hours, whatever. Yeah. Um, it was almost bringing the tempo down a bit mm-hmm. um, once the field would spread and, and whatnot. So um, there was a few times there where, you know, I might be 
30 or 15 balls in the in the power play and and then the field would go out and I'd slog another Keep one going. straight down yep. the throat you know you're out for mm. whatever 40 off 20 balls yeah <laughs> um yeah it looks good but you know it just brings the pressure on for the next bloke coming in and um, mm-hmm. yeah I think what I've learned from Whitey is that if I get off to that flyer it's all right you're striking at 200 yeah it's fine to go down a notch and strike at 150 or 160 and mm-hmm. you know you all of a sudden you you've scored 80 or 90 off 50 balls it's better than a 40 off 20 so um yeah it's just sort of bringing that mindset down or the gears down a bit and just knock them around and if if it's in your zone um yeah get after it but you know if it's not it's you know getting off strike or, or whatnot so there's been a lot of talk this year, I guess, about the maturity of your knock, specifically, um, I guess, within longer format um, in Sheffield Shield on the one day and Marsh Cup, especially particularly that 100 you made a couple of weeks ago up in Mackay against Queensland. Um, a lot of people were talking about how when you get a fast start and sometimes the field um, will move out, like in a T20 you mentioned before, uh, just slowing it down, bringing that strike rate back down. And I think that's something you did extremely well, probably particularly uh, in the IPL, I mean, going at a strike rate of around, I think it was 127. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something like, oh, I wouldn't say I worry about strike rate too much in, in the Red yep. Bull stuff, um, but it's more my mindset around still being attacking. Um, yeah, balancing it out. Balancing it out. Yep. I'm coming through the middle, so, you know, most of the time the ball's not completely new. It's not probably doing as much as, you know, what it does um, at the top of the order. So I'm trying to cash in on that. Um, and put the bowls under pressure, um, I think is sort of the way I go about it. Um, you know, rather than sort of being a sitting duck and trying to defend and, and survive, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of counteracting that and trying to put the pressure back on the other team. And, um, and then, yeah, as I said, you might get a couple of boundaries away and then all of a sudden you're on 20 or 30, 40, um, and then the field starts to spread, you know, they might drop the square leg or the point and, and that's when you sort of you can bring the gears down a bit there and just all right, take the one or two here and there and mm-hmm. and then hopefully put your boundary ball away. So it's just keeping things simple and, um, yeah, still sticking to my sort of natural um, attacking play. Absolutely. Now, you've been in some incredible, Nick, this year. I want to talk about the 159 balls for the Adelaide Strikers, which was your maiden uh, century in the BBL uh, and in T20 cricket, for that matter of fact. You were captaining the side that day. Peter Siddle was out. Talk us through the innings. Yeah, again, just an absolute whirlwind. Um, yeah, it was my first. Yeah, it might have been my first game as captain. Um, mm-hmm. So just all the emotions and and talk around that and pr- extra pressure. I was you know leading up to the game with a bit more media and whatnot. Yep. And all right, how how am I going to use my bowlers here? Like it's up to me now. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, oh crap. Um, so that was you know a, a bit of added pressure. But and then uh, we. Obviously bowled first, um, and I remember sitting. We came back into the rooms at half time after you know Hobart put on what was it two hundred and twenty or two thirty two thirty. So yeah, so I remember you know you've only got ten fifteen minutes to get back out there as a batter, and um, I remember just getting into the rooms and starting to sort of chuck my pads on. I'm like, oh god, first game as captain, I'm <laughs> chasing two thirty. I need to go chase two thirty. Like, yeah. what have I done? Like, I've <laughs> Oh, you bowled like, yourself for four overs too, though, didn't you? Oh, yeah. you got to yeah. do that and you captain yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I just remember thinking, like, what have I done? Like, this is probably maybe captaining's not for me. Maybe someone mm. else can do it next game. But, oh, well, Sid's will come back or whatever. Um, but then, 
yeah, got off to a nice nice start. I reckon I got dropped first ball, mm-hmm. which always helps. Um, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm on here. Maybe the luck's, luck's on my side tonight. And um, I think oh, I might have got off to a bit of a slow start. And we might have lost an early wicket. Um, and then Linny came in and, and did what he does. He just blasts them everywhere for, for a bit. And mm-hmm. Adam Hose came in and, and did the same thing. Um, you know, so without those guys, you know, there's no chance we're getting anywhere near to 230. But, um, yeah, again, had my, my mum and dad in the stand that night, which was awesome. Um, a couple of cousins as well. So, um, yeah, another weird story from that one was I remember being – uh, like I remember when, as it got close, I was just kept looking at the scoreboard to see how many runs we needed. Yeah. Um, of how many balls. So they'd put it up every, every ball or whatever. Um, and I never took any notice of what I was actually on personally. Mm-hmm. So when I, I knew we needed, I think it was, what was it? Three, maybe three off three balls or four off three balls or something. Mm-hmm. And I'd hit that one for four to win the game. And um, you know, obviously carried on thinking, you know, how good is this? Like not even knowing I was on the hundred and, um, it wasn't until I, you know, shook hands with all the, the Hobart boys. And then Darcy Short came up to me and said, Oh, and congratulations on the hundred too, mate. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So I looked up, turned around at the, the old scoreboard there on the hill. And I'm like, Oh, sh- like, how good is yeah. this? Just got a hundred as well. Like that was another bonus. So I was like, Oh God, this, is, this can't get any better. Yeah. Captaining his side. <laughs> Highest run chase ever successful in <laughs> Big Bash history, 230. Uh, makes you look pretty good uh, with a maiden century to that too. Yeah, it was just a an unbelievable night. Um, yeah, as you said, the record chase was it was just awesome to get the win. And um, yeah, I remember walking off and stepping over the rope and mum and dad were sort of sitting up there in the members above the above the strikers dugout and, you know, waved the bat to them and, and whatnot and, and they were loving it. So, no, awesome night. Is it the first time you've ever got to sort of raise a bat after an innings? Or walking off? Uh, yeah, I mean, it hasn't happened for, well, before that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe in some junior stuff or second eleven and whatnot. But I reckon that's the night where I was like, all right, I know I can do this. Like, I reckon that sort of kick-started me. Um, you know, I don't want to say, like, that put me into form, but that kind of made me realise that, yeah, you know, this is, like, I can be up to this standard. Um, mm-hmm. This is a standard I want to be at for the rest of my career. And I think from that night on it, it sort of rolled into, um, made my first one day hundred with, the, with the Vicks. And then I think the next week after that was my first shield hundred. So it, it all sort of rolled on from then. And I think I just gained a, a heap of confidence from, from that game in, in Adelaide. You mentioned that confidence and coming into the shield and that sort of season with Victoria, how'd you find it this year? Yeah, awesome. I mean, personally, it was it was really good to sort of roll on that confidence, and um, I think before that, before uh, the big bash that year, we'd really struggled um, as a team, and um, you know, we I don't think we'd won a game up until the big bash, and then we came out and and won maybe four or five on the trot, and you know, the boys started getting on the roll, and to sort of help them, um, you know, with that and, and score some runs on a personal level to help us win games. It was yeah. Yeah, just a feeling I'd, you know, I want to keep continuing and, um, you know, being that guy to, to rely on and, um, yeah, obviously help set up some games to, to win. So, and then obviously made the Shield final and um, offer, offer not a bad season. So, um, yeah, hopefully an, a, a one I can keep continuing on this year. Absolutely. Now, talk us through being picked up by the Punjab Kings in the IPL as an injury replacement for Johnny Bairstow because I do believe you're a base price, base price of two mil. 
<laughs> Gee, I wish the base price was too much. Um, <laughs> geez, yeah, maybe about 5% of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, obviously, I was in the draft and, you know, was always mm. um, very optimistic, but I was like, oh, you know, I'll put my name in and see what happens. But, yeah. Um, obviously missed out. Um, I thought, whatever, I'll try again next year or it's not, not the end of the world. But yeah, uh, I think I was playing a one day game for Victoria in Adelaide and I had a missed call, um, when I checked my phone at the end of the game and it was from Trevor Bayless, the, wow. the head coach. I'm like, oh. well, actually I, it was, yeah, it was Trevor, but I knew he was coaching Sydney Thunder. I'm yep. like, oh, maybe he wants to talk about a trade or yeah. <laughs> get me up to Sydney. Um, and then I sort of put two and two together and, um, listen to the voice message. He's like, oh, it's Trevor Bayless. Um, and then he started talking about, you know, we're looking for a replacement for Johnny Bairstow. I'm like, wait, hang on, Johnny Bairstow, he's not at Sydney Thunder. And I'm like, oh, he's at Punjab Kings. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll take, I'll ring him back straight yeah. away and said, mate, I'll, I'm on. Like, I'll, I'll be there for, for nothing if you need. Mm. Um, but yeah, that whole experience, it was just like, it's just mayhem over there. It's just, they treat you like rock stars. Um, we had some big recruit, big, big players, um, Sam Curran and Liam Livingston, mm-hmm. Gaiso Rabada, Nathan Ellis was over there. So yep. we had some big names and sort of hanging out with them and seeing just the, yeah, the chaos of, of India for the first time. Um, yeah, it was just, just proper chaos. Can you take us inside that chaos? What it's like on game day on the team bus, all that kind of thing. Yeah. The buses and the, the airports are the craziest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's weird how they dress us all up in the, the team travel kit and, and yep. whatever. But I always always say, you know, just put us in casuals and no one no one will know who we are. <laughs> well, especially me anyway. But um, no, nah, you'd rock up, you'd get on the bus at the hotel and there'd be fans and everywhere at the hotel watching you get on the bus. And then wow. you'd rock up at the, at the airport and there's probably three, four times the amount of people at the airport waiting for you. And, you know, you're getting ushered off by security with these massive bloody machine guns and just making a guard of honor. So they sort of keep the crowd away and, and sort of put you through there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool at the start. Like it's cool to sort of experience the hype and, and whatever. And they love their cricket over there, obviously, but you know, by the end of it and you know, when guys are asking you for photos every five minutes and, and whatever, it's like, Oh, come on, mate. Like, what are you going to do with that photo? Like just, just give us some space. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> what about on game day? And I guess the atmosphere and environment there is just on a completely different level. Yeah, crazy. I mean, I, I thought I'd heard some loud, loud stadiums here in Australia, um, especially Adelaide Oval. They can pack it out there and mm-hmm. be pretty loud. But once you get to get to India and play at some of the big grounds there, um, you know, like grounds like Mumbai, hundred thousand. Um, yeah, it's just it's so loud. It's it's probably a similar noise level to, to here, but it's just constant. Yeah. Um, like they'd cheer at absolutely anything. Like even, a single. Oh, just, yeah. yeah. A single. Like Virat Kohli might hit a single and they just go nuts. Um, <laughs> I remember playing, well, I wasn't actually playing this game. I was running the drinks, but we we're playing against Chennai and obviously MS Dhoni's playing at Chennai. And, um, they have these bloody whistles they give their their fans and they just blow the whistles all day. Oh, no. And obviously the crowd's packed. And um, I remember just sitting on the boundary and I think Donny was batting next. He was ready to come in. Mm-hmm. And Jadeja was 
out in the middle batting and they were sort of just screaming, Tony, Tony. <laughs> anyway, so imagine batting out there and they, they're cheering so hard for the next bloke to come in. So they yeah. just want you to get out. Anyway, Jadeja got out and all his home fans are just cheering because he went out. <laughs> anyway, Tony's like sitting inside the change room. He's making this massive like grand entrance into the mm-hmm. middle and the crowd's going nuts. It was so, I think he faced three balls and hit two sixes. Like, it was just wow. great. Like it was unbelievable. What's that like when you're standing there and that moment, a hundred thousand people cheering for MS Donny? You like, is this just even real? Yeah. At that I, point, I was like, this is just next level. Um, yeah. Obviously, I've, I've heard of, you know, how nuts they go for him. He's obviously the god over there. <laughs> um, to witness that firsthand was just like, this is next level. This is so cool. But, um, I think Nath Alice was running the drinks with him. We just looked at each other like, hey, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned Chris Lynn a couple of times, particularly um, playing for the Adelaide Strikers. What's it like to play with someone like Linny? Yeah, unreal. I mean, it was weird. Like, when we um, first signed him, I was like, oh, geez, is this is this the right signing for us? Like, do we really need need him? Because like, obviously, you know, at the heat, like you'd hear, you know, he loves his beers, he loves his fun and whatever. I'm like, oh, do we need, really need this around a, a pretty young side? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, that's put aside how good he is on the field and, and yep. whatnot. So that, that was going to be good. But, um, and then I'd only met him a couple of times and, and whatnot, but once I sort of met him in Adelaide and his first couple of sessions were unbelievable. I sort of totally changed my perception of him. Like he was helping the young blokes. He was sort of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just getting him, getting around all the boys and, um, he was really invested, a lot more invested in what I what I'd heard or um, what I assumed, um, which I probably shouldn't have assumed. But um, no, nah, he's he's been massive for us. Um, just to have him and his sort of calmness out in the middle really helped me personally. Um, you know, rather getting caught up in you know six six four four whatever. It's like no mm-hmm. no, nah, nah, it's all right. We can take this bloke for six and over, and then we can try and attack the next bloke at the, the other end and. Um, just having his experience out there and sort of almost coaching me through my own innings. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been really good. Do you feel that's helped from a leadership perspective and point of view for yourself? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I my first couple of games, I only captained two games, I think, but having him out there was yeah awesome to sort of lean on and mm-hmm. he's obviously captained a lot for the heat and, and whatnot in his career. And um, yeah, was, I, I mean, it, it would have been not pretty hard just to do it on my own and not really lean on anyone. So it was nice to have him there. And, um, you know, Colin de Grandhome, who's played a lot of cricket as well. And Harry Nielsen, who, you know, sees everything from, from behind the stumps. So, um, yeah, it's always good as a captain to, to lean on those guys and, um, yeah, sort of help you through the innings. Now I want to talk about the Northern Superchargers playing with Ben Stokes, Harry Brook. You made 73 off, I think it was 40-something balls, I believe it was, or 36 balls, something like that. Talk us through that surreal experience for yourself. And again, coming in as an injury replacement, you're in top form, top nick, uh, I guess all consistently across this year. That started with your 100 in Adelaide, like you mentioned earlier. What was that like? It was cool. It was a cool little um, little tournament. Um, yeah. The 100 Hundred ball formats, uh, yeah, it's really fun actually. It's, Do you think uh, it's something we could see here in Australia? Uh, look, it'd be cool to see, but I, I just can't see it fitting in anywhere or you know finding the time for it. But mm-hmm. um, it took me a couple of games to get used to it. Um, you know, with the five balls, um, 
you know, each end or well, 10 mm. balls each end, but, you know, having having the option, opportunity to, to bowl someone 10 balls in a row and yeah. I'm like, oh, is that the over? Like, do I move here now or what's it mm-hmm. go? But, um, yeah, also you sort of got to change your tactics a little bit if, if a bowl is in form and, and bowling well and you might have to face 10 balls of it or, or whatnot. So, um, no, I sort of, I think it suits me pretty well is going out there and being pretty aggressive. But, yeah, as a whole, it was a pretty fun tournament as a whole. What was it like working with Harry Brook? Because I believe he's put up a 125-run partnership, which was – that was an exceptional stand for both you blokes. Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty simple kind of character. But, um, yeah, first time I'd met him, um, obviously knew of him. Um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember back at that from that innings. But, as I said, my memory is not too flash. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, there's great, great fellas there. Batting with Tom Banton as well. Um which was pretty cool. And yeah, just sort of, I think the best thing about it um, playing around the world is, is meeting these new players and sort yep. of learning off them and seeing how they go about it and what their plans are, or what, what they're thinking and stuff like that. So it's just, um, yeah, it's fun, but you, you still want to try and learn and, um, and grow as a player. I assume having these massive knocks and having such impact like a Punjabi and obviously at the Northern Superchargers too, You'd have a lot of people out there, like you mentioned before, wanting photos and things like that. Has has it been like wow and you've probably left that kind of wow impression on a lot of people, um, especially internationally throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, it, a little bit. But, yeah, as I said before, um, if you've got the uniform on, they know who you <laughs> are. But um, I don't think I'm at that stage where, you know, I walk around now and <laughs> no one really knows who I am. So that's, that's good in a way. But, um yeah, I mean, having the recognition, it's been pretty cool. Um, but, you know, you might make 100 one day and, you know, someone will forget about it in a mm-hmm. week's time. And yeah, same thing, you might make a duck and yeah, absolutely. it might be the worst thing ever, but people forget about things and, you know, you just got to move on. and Come and make 100 the next week. Yeah, you might think you're a rock star for <laughs> a few hours, but, you know, you've you got to stay pretty level, um, you know, through the ups and the downs. You can't sort of, you can't dwell on anything. You can't sort of think you're a rock star, you just got to keep yourself levelled and um, I think that's the best way about going about it. How do you preview the World Cup final on Sunday night between Australia and obviously their take on India? Yeah, I mean, they're obviously undefeated. It's going to be tough in their, their home conditions. Um, yeah. Let's hope they don't doctor the wicket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like they've tried to do against New Zealand. Oh, mate, they, yeah, they'll probably... Just mow the right-hand side of the pitch for the left-handers. Yeah, they'll probably... Um, you know, roll up a bloody dust bowl for all the yeah. three spinners. Um, <laughs> but uh, hopefully it's a nice flat one. The, bo- the batters can get away and, yeah. um, you know, the bowlers can get it done too. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough game, but yeah, hopefully we can get over the line. How important are power play wickets of Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood in trying to get out guys like Rohit Sharma, Shubman Gill, Virat Kohli? Um, I mean, they're so deep all the way throughout their batting order. Yeah, as I said, it's bloody hard. I mean, I love watching... The Indian batters go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Shubman Gill's my favourite player. Um, just his sort of free-flowing stroke play takes it on, and Rowett's no different. He He's in unbelievable form, as, you know, the top five, top six are. Yeah. So, um, you know, if one bloke doesn't get 100, the next two blokes will. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be hard for him, but, you know, good luck to him. Have you got a favourite Australian player? Oh, God. Um, Fergus O'Neill. Yeah, my Victorian teammate. <laughs> Probably the hardest to hit in the nets because he bowls so slow. But yeah, <laughs> he's always um, nah, very accurate. Hits the seam most of the time, and um, 
nah, I'm, I'm loving seeing him do well at the moment. And, um, yeah, hopefully that can continue. Tomorrow flying over uh, for the T20 series in India. How are you feeling about that and what do you got to pack? Yeah, pumped. Um, as I said, it was an awesome environment to, to be around in, in South Africa with the boys and, um, yeah, to meet up with them again in India is, you know, it's going to be awesome for not only me, but for, you know, some of the other guys that hopefully get the opportunity as well um, with a few guys sort of resting from the, the World Cup. But um, I've actually only half packed, so I'll have to get back home after this <laughs> and, and keep packing. But um, oh, it's going to be nice and warm, so plenty of shorts and tees, um, plenty of training training gear and plenty of gloves, I think. You, you sort of sweat a lot over there, so <laughs> the gloves um, get a fair workout. But, no, really looking forward to it. Potentially celebrations with the boys after the World Cup? Yeah, gee, that'd be nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be weird. Like, we're also going to get over there and start preparing to, you know, train and whatever for, for the first game. But, yeah, there will be guys that, that join us maybe a few days late. Um, <laughs> but, no, nah, they're normally pretty good. Um, they normally move on pretty fast. I mean, I think, they yeah, they play Sunday night and the, the next game, or well, the first T20 might be, you know, four or five days after that. So it's wow. a pretty short turnaround for, for a couple of them. How do you feel about that? Like, if you were in this World Cup right now with those guys, would you be like, yeah, no, nah, not taking part in this T20 series? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say, but, mate, some of those guys have been playing cricket nonstop for years. Like, I mean, you even look back at this year, they had the the Indian Test Series they, into mm. Ashes, into, you know, South Africa, into India. Like, it's just crazy nonstop. And, yeah. you know, I don't blame the blokes for wanting to you know, put their feet up. And then, you know, they got the the home series coming up here. So um, I think, yeah, it's obviously smart for the fast bowlers to, to rest up and whatnot. But I mm-hmm. think there's a few batters that are going to roll on and, and keep going. Talk us through your schedule when you land in, I guess, a country like India or South Africa, for that matter of fact. What's the schedule look like heading into a series? Um, I mean, this one's going to be different to the South African one. We were based in Durban for the three games. Yeah. Um, so we didn't really travel around in South Africa. So this one's just going to be pretty chaotic, I reckon. There's five games in, in two weeks um, mm-hmm. at all separate venues. So um, mm. we'll fly in and, and train for three or four days. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of rolls on from there. Um, once you start playing, I don't think there'll be too much, too many training sessions. Um, they'll all be optional. But, um, yeah, once you're over there, it's sort of like, all right, when you're not playing, you mm-hmm. kind of want to chill out. Um, you don't really want to be training every day and then playing. Like it gets pretty chaotic, and then the travel on top of that, like the bus trips and the people, and yeah, it, it all gets a little bit too much at times. But um, yeah, I think it's just important to focus on the on the matches once you're over there and um, and sort of your recovery and, and chilling out in the, the downtime. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been an absolute honour to have you on and obviously you've got your sights set on that permanent spot in the white ball side. Thanks mate. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much Matt. Stay tuned everyone for some more Sporting Max. We'll see you soon. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.